0: This is Simone. Welcome to Race Reflections at Work, the podcast that focuses on inequality, injustice, and oppression in the workplace. This episode will focus on workplace issues facing transgender and non-binary people. To send us your questions and dilemmas, please email at work at racereflections.co.uk. First, it's important to define some terms. Transgender as a term refers to someone whose gender today is not the same as the gender they were raised with. Sometimes people define transgender as not matching the sex assigned at birth, but sex is its own spectrum, so it's more accurate to discuss gender when discussing transgender identities. Non-binary refers to someone whose gender is not the same as the gender they were raised with, and they're not entirely a man or entirely a woman. Both of these terms are umbrella terms that encompass dozens of different gender identities and labels that people use to more accurately describe who they are. Conversely, cisgender as a term refers to someone whose gender today is the same as the gender they were raised with. Cisgender people are in the majority across society and are considered the default. Both cisgender men and cisgender women make things quite difficult for transgender and non-binary people through different laws, workplace policies, and also informal social discrimination. Finally, one last term before we get started that I want to define for you is intersectionality. This is a term that was given to us by Kimberly Crenshaw, and it is a theory of inequality that talks about how one's race, class, and gender can intersect And this could result in a life where a person experiences multiple forms of oppression. We can't really have a discussion about gender, or the gender binary, or cisgender and transgender people, without seeing how intimately tied white people's norms are to gender norms, or without seeing how much money we have has a direct impact on whether we can be ourselves and our gender in this world. That means that when we talk about how trans and non-binary people are treated at work, we can't forget that they can also be facing things like sexism, racism, homophobia, ableism, and so much more. Now that we have defined transgender, non-binary, cisgender, and intersectionality, let's talk about how prior to entering the workforce, transgender and non-binary people face discrimination at home, at school, in higher education, and other settings where they try to get an education in order to enter the workforce. I want to mention that things like transphobia, NB phobia homophobia, many other phobias and forms of oppression are common in settings like one's household. In fact, our parents, other people who raise us, siblings, cousins, and so on, are sometimes our first interactions with being less than accepted or being banished from the house, or being mistreated, misgendered, and generally bullied and harassed. However, things like homophobia, transphobia, racism, and biphobia, and so on, are also very common in primary and secondary school settings, which then build upon these negative experiences at home. And because a lot of other peers and family members are not much help when it comes to experiencing these problems. And teachers and administrators at schools could dismiss these problems as, you know, worthy of attention. There's a way that it all intersects, right, to force conformity to gender and sexual norms. And we as trans and non-binary people are negatively impacted as a result of being forced to conform. These experiences are very harmful to us as students, as children, and as young adults. We therefore end up missing class, missing sports activities, getting poor grades, and simply not being able to advance through our education to even make it to university, let's say. What's worse, many of us who are abandoned by our parents and by our teachers end up homeless, engaging in survival sex work. We face poor health outcomes such as sexually transmitted infections, sexually transmitted diseases, substance abuse, and chronic disease or we may become involved in the prison-industrial complex that is very difficult to escape. And then, as a result of facing discrimination throughout our lives, we may face discrimination at the college and graduate levels because discrimination does not ease up. It does not always get better when we grow up. And so there are a lot of issues that we face surrounding our gender nonconformity, our trans and non-binary identity. When we take a look at certain findings, for example, from the LGBT in Britain University report, I will mention some statistics. More than a third of trans students faced negative comments or conduct from university staff because of their being LGBT. And 60% of trans students were targets of negative comments or conduct from other students. 7% were physically attacked by other students or members of university staff because of being transgender. wouldn't feel confident reporting any homophobic, biphobic, or transphobic bullying to university staff. So we have to understand these forms of discrimination as systemic and as university-wide. And of course, many LGBTQ people are unable to access college in the first place. So this is really about who's missing from university ranks and what people experience when they do or are able to research college or something like a graduate school education. Particularly if we are marginalized along racial and class lines, it makes it even more difficult to access an education because of money, because of racism, and so on. And if you don't have certain credentials, if you don't have certain degrees or certain certifications, It's that much harder to be hired by employers across different industries. This is one of the many ways that we as transgender and non-binary people are kept from performing quote-unquote legitimate work. By legitimate work here, I mean employment that is valued by society and where there might be a possibility for legal workplace protections. This is also referring to employment where there's a paper trail that can be traced when it comes to pay and benefits. Unfortunately, because of prior discrimination at home, at school, in higher ed, many transgender people end up doing quote unquote illegitimate work, like sex work, which is criminalized across society. The reason I put quotes around the term illegitimate and legitimate is to indicate that, of course, sex work is still legitimate work and should be treated like work and considered that way. We as sex workers should be front and center of our movements because we are historically the change makers. Unfortunately, many sex workers who are transgender and non-binary face additional stigma and criminalization, and transgender and non-binary people face stigma of sex work and criminalization around sex work, even if they are not sex workers. For example, for many trans women, there's this phenomenon that takes place. We call it walking while trans. And to phrase coined to address the frequency with which transgender women experience verbal and physical abuse by police officers and others, when these people make assumptions about trans people being involved in sex work. Because there's a disproportionate criminalization of transgender and non-binary people, They then face significant abuses within prisons where they are not placed according to their gender, nor have their gender-related medical needs addressed or have their identities affirmed. Obviously, as a result, transgender people also have a harder time finding and maintaining stable housing, childcare, or legal services. Now we can talk about discrimination that trans and non-binary people face at their actual jobs if they are doing quote-unquote legitimate jobs. According to Catalyst's LGBT workplace issues, Quick Take, transgender workers are subject to different types of harassment, and it may be combined with harassment they face for being LGBTQ. Now, the acronym stands for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Queer, but at I also want to be clear that the T in LGBTQ stands for a gender identity. It stands for transgender. All these other identities, lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, asexual, and so on, stand for sexual identities. And as a result, we as transgender and non-binary people can also be lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, asexual, or straight. And so it's important to disaggregate the acronym when having a conversation about transgender and non-binary people, specifically so that it doesn't all get uh, lumped under one single term. In any case, back to discussing what transgender workers face in the workplace, there are issues like bathroom accessibility, being deliberately referred to by incorrect pronouns, having to tolerate extremely inappropriate questions about one's body or about one's transition. This could obviously lead to employee disengagement and avoidance of work. A lot of the time, concealment is not an option for trans employees as much as it could be for cis employees who are queer, because we as trans and non-binary people might wish to start transitioning. And one of the only ways to do that is to have health insurance tied to our jobs. So right now, I want to do a small spotlight on what makes everybody upset these days, which is the discussion around transgender people using specific bathrooms. This especially presents a problem at work because cisgender people think that trans people are out to trick them or endanger them in bathrooms somehow, which is factually incorrect. In fact, the opposite is true. Episodic violence that targets trans women and trans people happens because not only do cis people think that trans women are deceiving them like other trans people, but they're also thinking of them as a sexual threat. According to the Williams Institute report, transgender employees are also significantly more likely to experience other forms of discrimination. Over twice as many transgender employees reported not being hired because of their status of being transgender, even when compared to other queer people who are, in this case, cisgender. So at this point, I'd like to really break down what employers can do in order to make their workplace more transgender and non-binary inclusive. These things include allowing trans employees to self-identify, offering intersectional allyship, creating ally programs, measuring managerial performance, designating a confidential ombudsman, and establishing pronoun guidelines. So let's take a look at each of these in a little bit more detail. There needs to be developed zero-tolerance policies when it comes to homophobic, biphobic, transphobic discrimination and harassment with very clear sanctions outlined for staff and customers and clients. As employers, you should be actively communicating your equality policies to all staff in order to ensure that there is a safe way to report homophobic, biphobic, and transphobic bullying in the workplace. This resource also suggests that there should be implementation of all staff diversity and inclusion training. And when I talk about diversity and inclusion, I really wish we discussed meaningful diversity and inclusion, not superficial diversity and inclusion. These kinds of trainings need to call out what takes place And what are some of the negative consequences of discrimination that trans and non-binary people face in the workplace? They need to explain what abuse could look like, why that's bad for your employees, for your business, and how it's important for everyone to challenge these kinds of transphobic attitudes. Training should also provide staff with an understanding of how multiple identities can intersect. For example, the dual discrimination that transgender and disabled employees could face. It's important to ensure that managers have the appropriate training and support confidently helping transgender employees in the workplace. There should be awareness raising sessions for all employees on trans inclusion, along with guidance about using pronouns and facilities. There needs to be policies developed to support trans employees who are transitioning, including information on confidentiality, dress codes, using facilities. Stonewall, the organization, has resources for support that you could check out at www.stonewall.org.uk. They have created a resource for supporting transgender staff in the workplace. In part, it's also important to recruit and promote diverse candidates, to recruit and promote transgender and non-binary employees. It therefore should be included in job searches and job announcements that transgender and non-binary workers are to be welcomed and celebrated and included in your workplace. Make sure that this commitment to diversity and inclusion is clearly communicated at every step of the recruitment process, of the interview process, and the hiring process. There need to therefore be clear policies around recruitment and promotion. You could then also rely on Stonewall's Workplace Guide for support. You should be training the recruitment team to understand how discrimination against LGBT people and trans and non-binary people can occur in their recruitment process and how to take specific meaningful steps to reduce this kind of bias. You need to monitor staff diversity, collect diversity data in your workplace across pay and grade and identify any areas of discrimination that may be based on gender identity. This kind of monitoring must be worded and formatted correctly and explicitly. For example, when asking about gender, employees should be able to describe their gender in their own words, and that should be reflected in the data that you collect. You should also be collecting diversity data in the exit process to ensure But all employees leaving have the space to raise issues related to discrimination they may have faced in your workplace. And so at this point, I really want to talk about how difficult it is to survive discrimination one might face at home, then at school in the public sphere, in higher ed, in graduate school, in being able to even apply and access work, and how all of these experiences get accumulated over the life course to make one extra vigilant, to make one extra ill with chronic disease and chronic stress, and how much that impacts our performance at work. If you don't feel safe, then you're not able to perform your best. And we as trans and non-binary people should be given every opportunity to thrive and to be validated in our workplace and, of course, across society. What I know from being a graduate student some years back is that a lot of people quit People quit college, people quit grad school, people quit their jobs because they're not able to exist in these kinds of hostile, transphobic, and ambiphobic environments. And it's not just about creating a more diverse workplace and making explicit policies. It's really also about raising awareness amongst the general public about trans and non-binary people and other marginalized groups. It's for our allies, for those cisgender people who want to be our allies to learn the terminology, to learn the vocabulary, you know, to do their own research, to read all the available free resources that are out there so that they can do better. More importantly, if we as trans and non-binary people come forward and explain to you as our colleagues and explain to you as our employers and as our HR staff what we need in terms of bathroom access or pronouns or transitioning and medical care, that kind of conversation needs to be safely had. And our needs should be affirmed. And these needs should be treated the same way anybody else's needs would come up. There's a lot of loss to companies and workplaces and organizations when people who are marginalized quit. And that loss can't only be calculated in terms of the money that a company might lose. That loss is calculated in skewing the perception of how many trans and non-binary people even exist. If we are forced to hide or are unable to transition or be who we are at work and therefore in society, then society starts to think that there are less and less of us when actually many of you listening to this podcast right now have worked with transgender and non-binary people before and many of your co-workers today are transgender and non-binary So as we close out this podcast episode, I'd like you to ask yourselves whether you or your workplace is a safe place for transgender and non-binary colleagues, employees, and staff. I hope this was helpful, and I hope that you reflect on what we as transgender and non-binary people may face in the workplace Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening today. This has been Simone from Race Reflections. Please take care and have a good weekend.